Welcome to Integrative Medicine Solutions with Forum Health, the podcast. Our nationwide network of integrative and functional medicine providers believe in a new standard of healthcare, one that creates optimal health by focusing on partnering with you, understanding your needs, learning about your unique health history, and getting to the root cause of your concerns. Using advanced testing, emerging therapies, and the latest technology, Forum Health providers are at the forefront of integrative and functional health care for all. Your journey to better health starts here. Our presenter tonight is Dr. Connie Casebolt of Wellness by Design in Greenville, South Carolina. Dr. Casebolt is a graduate of Loma Linda University School of Medicine and has been board certified in family medicine since 1985. She has a master's degree in public health with an emphasis in nutrition, and her book, Wellness by Design, has been endorsed by Ellen DeGeneres, Jimmy Kimmel, and Suzanne Summers. Her passion has always been finding and fixing the root cause of diseases, which has led her to develop expertise in many functional and integrative treatment modalities. Dr. Casebold is achieving certification in stem cell therapy from the American Academy of Stem Cell Physicians and is a member of Ozone Without Borders. She's also a very familiar face in Greenville, appearing on local TV talk show, Your Carolina with Jack and Megan. Everyone, please welcome Dr. Connie Casebold. Okay. So as she mentioned, I'm really passionate about helping people get their health better. Um, and all of us doctors that are doing functional and integrative medicine, we all have our own story as to why we kind of diver, uh, diverge from the conventional medicine pathway. And of course, in my case, I, I am now a postmenopausal woman. And so when I went through menopause, I had to figure out, you know, what is going to be the best um, method for me to maintain my health. And so I started learning about hormones and I cannot believe how uh, lucky I feel to have learned what I've learned. I can help myself and others as well. So hormones, what are they and who needs them? There's a lot of hormones in the body. Uh, we have hormones that are derived from cortisol. Uh, we call those steroid uh, excuse me, from cholesterol, we call those steroid hormones. And then there are other hormones that are protein and other uh, makeup. This evening, we're really going to be talking about the sex hormones and some with thyroid. Um, so one of the most important things to keep in mind is that we always have to measure. We can't just guess. So we base our treatment uh, strategies on a combination of test results as well as symptoms. So both are very important. We're going to talk about both male and female hormones, but we're going to tackle the easier gender first. Men are a bit less complicated than women, so we're going to tackle them first. So of course, men need testosterone. What's interesting is that they also need estrogen. So both men and women need both hormones. The magic, of course, is in the ratio. Men need a lot more testosterone and only a tiny bit of estrogen, and women need a lot more estrogen than men do. So as men get older, they tend to have their testosterone reduce and their estrogen increase so that the average 60-year-old man has more estrogen than his wife. So 
not a good thing to be that imbalanced. And again, you can see that the testosterone levels really start to decline after the age of 30. But the decline can be so gradual that a lot of men don't even realize why they don't feel as good. They or even their doctor just chalk it up to aging. Um, however, losing your testosterone, if you're a man, is can produce a lot of unwanted symptoms. So testosterone, again, is a ring-like structure derived from cholesterol, and it is the hormone responsible for the male sex characteristics, the hair on the face, the broad shoulders, hair on the chest, uh, slimmer hips, uh, ability to have good, strong muscles, etc. So what are the symptoms of low testosterone in men? Well, a low libido. And I hear this all the time. Uh, in fact, a lot of my male patients come in because their wives come in and say, my husband has lost his sex drive. Uh, can you help him? So a low sex drive can be a clue. Moodiness and depression because the brain has a lot of testosterone receptors. So if you're a man or if you're a man listening to this uh, has moodiness, depression, anxiety, this could be from low testosterone. Same thing with brain fog. You need to have testosterone in order to be able to think clearly. Aches and pains, why would that be? Because testosterone is naturally anti-inflammatory. Weight gain can be a problem, especially belly fat, because you need testosterone to keep the muscles nice and bulked up and uh, less belly fat. Decreased stamina, you just can't keep working out of the gym like you used to. Erectile dysfunction, can partly be due to low testosterone, although there are other causes, um, namely uh, poor vascular function, so blood vessel issues, uh, but low testosterone can certainly contribute to ED. Loss of muscle mass, loss of bone mass, and inability to recover from a workout. All of these can be from low testosterone. Uh, so are there side effects to supplying the testosterone um, exogenously uh, from the outside in. So I love to have my men read this book. It's called Testosterone for Life by Dr. Abraham Morgan Taylor. He is a Harvard-trained urologist who, who coined the term low T. Um, he's done a lot of original research and is just famous in the field for his knowledge on testosterone replacement therapy. And this book goes through a lot of, um, has a lot of information and it debunks some myths. He devotes an entire chapter to the myth that testosterone replacement therapy causes prostate cancer. It actually does not. Um, in fact, he found that it's men with low testosterone, high estrogen, they're the ones at most risk for developing prostate cancer. Of course, there are some other myths out there that testosterone therapy can cause heart disease or stroke. These are simply not true. In fact, there was a study done through the VA, went on for about six years, almost 9,000 men were studied. They all had low testosterone. A quarter of them received testosterone, three quarters did not. And at the end of those six years, the men who got testosterone had an overall mortality of only 5.4% compared to 9%. They also had fewer heart attacks and strokes. 
So overall, they were anywhere from one half to one third less likely to die of anything. So certainly does not make one think that testosterone is going to cause any problems. In fact, we know that men who naturally have higher testosterone levels live longer. So are there potential side effects of testosterone therapy? Yes, there are some predictable side effects. It does cause decreased sperm production. So if the man is still wanting to father children, then this would not be the therapy for him. That is reversible, however. Um, it will probably cause some atrophy or shrinkage of the testicles because they are no longer being expected to supply all of the testosterone. Also, testosterone naturally converts into estrogen, especially if the man has some belly fat. So we always monitor the estrogen level, and if we see that it's becoming unacceptably high, we're going to address that with a medication that partially blocks that conversion. Testosterone has a growth-like effect on the bone marrow where the red blood cells are made. So a lot of men will have an increased hemoglobin. This is fairly easy to address. We're simply going to recommend that that man donate blood, which is a service to society as well. So we kind of keep track of all these and have a way to address them. So how can we administer testosterone? The one thing you cannot do is give it by mouth because it, it will damage the liver. So we don't do it that way. Uh, we can do a topical in, in a gel form or a cream. Uh, weekly injections, which normally the man either gives to himself or gets his partner to give to him, or pellets. So let's talk about gels. This is my least favorite way. And in fact, we almost never recommend this. Uh, and the main reason is it just doesn't work very well. I've had so many men come to me seeking other methods because they say, you know what? I put that stuff on and it just doesn't work. Um, it also, the absorption can vary. It can transfer to other family members, including pets. And it's difficult to assess with regular blood lab work. So uh, it's, again, our least favorite way. Um, men can give themselves injections. So we do have quite a few men who do this. Um, most men are either going to give it in their anterior thigh, in other words, the front part of their upper leg, uh, or get their partner to give it um, behind in their, in their upper outer quadrant of the buttocks. Uh, it is gonna hurt, but it's again, a short-lived pain, and a lot of men think this is a worthwhile uh, way to do it. Uh, so I would say about 25% of my men choose to self-administer or at least get their injections at home. And then the other 75% uh, really prefer to do pellets. So what are pellets? Pellets are very small, about the size of a very large grain of rice. They're pure compressed testosterone. Uh, and by the way, the testosterone comes from the Mexican wild yam. They're not soy based uh, and they are bioidentical. So they behave, when, when these pellets start to dissolve, uh, it behaves in the body just as if the man had been producing it. So the pellet procedure is, is where we numb up a little section in the upper outer quadrant of the buttocks. Um, the numbing up part on a scale of one to 10, it's about a one, it's really not, not painful at all. And then in a very minor, quick surgical procedure, we insert the pellets under the skin. They kind of land in the fat tissue. And then over the next three to four months, those pellets will start to dissolve. 
And as they dissolve, they elevate the blood level of the testosterone. So now that testosterone is flowing throughout the body, going to wherever it's needed to help that man feel better. So it's 24 seven, it most closely mimics the production by the testicles. These are done, these, these of course are sterile. We put them in using us in a sterile tray um, so that we can minimize any chance of infection, which almost never happens. So again, this is looking at what you could get with a topical versus injections. Pellet therapy, again, is gonna have the fewest dips and valleys, the more consistent uh, levels, and that's why it is such a wonderful therapy. And by the way, pellet therapy has been around since the 1930s. It is not a brand new therapy. Um, it's interesting to me how so few people know about it. But what most people, once they get on pellet therapy, they really don't ever wanna get off. So how long should a man continue testosterone replacement therapy? Well, there's no particular endpoint that I'm aware of. Um, as long as they want to feel better and as long as they want good, strong bones and a strong heart and a brain that functions and et cetera, um, they, should, they can continue it pretty much indefinitely. So we have a couple of other modalities that we have here to help rejuvenate um, sexual function for men. There is something called the penile rejuvenation shot. Now this may sound painful, but it actually isn't. And by the way, most of the therapies here in the office, I've either tried on myself or on my husband who I kind of forced him to be my little guinea pig. So he has had this shot. He lived to tell the tale and he actually wanted another one uh, a month later because he said it dramatically enhanced the sensitivity of the penis and it made the, um, the sex, he said it made the sex more fun. Uh, so the penile rejuvenation shot improves sensitivity, it improves stamina and performance. And if we combine it with a penis pump, we can actually increase the girth and slightly the length. So it can actually enhance uh, the size. So um, it, the whole procedure takes about 45 minutes. We apply a numbing cream first. This is why it doesn't hurt. Um, and PRP, of course, is uh, we draw the blood from the patient. Uh, we're going to spin it down, extract the platelet-rich plasma part of that blood. So that is actually what we're injecting into the penis is the platelet rich plasma from that person. Um, and then the effects are fairly rapid. Uh, the effects of this can last anywhere from 12 to 18 months. We also have another strategy or therapy that can help with erectile dysfunction. Uh, the Gaines wave is becoming more and more famous. Um, this actually uses a machine um, that gives little um, sound waves and it kind of um, produces a rhythmic um, impact on the penis. We also use a, the same numbing cream prior to this procedure. It ends up enhancing circulation and enhancing the development of new tissue. So it's very effective for ED. It will help at least 80% of men unless things are very severe. Uh, and this is a about a 15 minute treatment procedure twice a week for six weeks if we're in the mild to moderate category. 
Um, so that would be a total of six treatments, or we sometimes need 12 treatments if it's more uh, moderate to severe. Uh, we can combine the gains wave with the penis enhancement shot. So typically if men want that combination, we would do the gains wave procedures first. And then uh, after those are completed, we would finish off with the penis enhancement shot. Um, and there's more information. Uh, you can actually Google Gaines Wave, or I think we might have some information on our website. If not, it will be there soon. Uh, but again, very effective. Let's turn our attention to understanding female hormones. We are the more complicated gender. So prior to going through menopause, when women are having regular ovulatory cycles, you can see there's quite a bit of up and down to the progesterone and the progesterone. And that line there at day 14 is ovulation. Now, we do not attempt to regulate or replicate, I should say. We don't try to replicate these little spikes and valleys and spikes and valleys. That would be extremely complicated and probably not even doable. What we have found is when women are postmenopausal, they do very well with just a steady state of both estrogen and progesterone as well as testosterone. So again, we don't have to get this complicated. We can do a more steady state. So again, just like men start slowly losing their hormones after 30, women also can start losing their hormones after 30, but it's in a bit uneven fashion. A lot of women will lose their testosterone first, followed by their progesterone. And finally, when they go through menopause, they lose their estrogen. So even women who are premenopausal can have a hormone imbalance. They just haven't gone through menopause. We can help women in each of these stages um, with various strategies. A lot of women 40 and above that have lost their testosterone benefit greatly from pellet therapy using just testosterone. And once a woman's gone through menopause and has lost her estrogen, then we would add estrogen to the mix as well. So what are the symptoms of low testosterone in women? Some of them are similar to men. Low sex drive, low energy, moodiness. Why heart palpitations? Because the heart has more testosterone receptors than any other organ in the body. And so heart palpitations can improve when we administer testosterone to women. Low bone density, testosterone is very effective at building bone density in both men and women. Inflammatory symptoms like joint pain, migraines, again, testosterone is an anti-inflammatory hormone. What are the symptoms of low estrogen in women once they've gone through menopause? Um, I've had women with such severe vaginal dryness, vaginal atrophy, that they were unable to continue having sexual relations with their husband. It got that bad. Uh, so the vagina as an organ is highly dependent on estrogen to remain healthy. And then, of course, night sweats and hot flashes, which can severely impact sleep. Women can also get brain fog, depression, and anxiety, uh, low bone density, joint pain. Any or all of these can be uh, a symptom of low estrogen in women. And, of course, low progesterone in women can impact sleep moods, headaches, bone density, and as you can see, there's a lot of overlap. Uh, in fact, when we're replacing hormones in women, I think of it as a three-legged stool. We really need to make sure there's adequate progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone in order for that woman to feel balanced. 
So I've mentioned bone density and all of those. You know, osteoporosis is a really vicious um, health problem that can occur in women postmenopausally. And the number one reason is that they've lost their hormones. So all three of the hormones promote a healthier bone density. Um, and so this is one of the reasons when I was deciding whether or not I was going to do hormone replacement therapy after menopause, I was thinking of my bones. I didn't want to be that cousin that I see at my family reunion who has shrunk two inches in height because she is not taking any hormones. So I got on hormones almost immediately. And when I go to my family reunions, I haven't lost an inch. And I, I see my poor cousin shrinking um, because they've not paid attention to this. So the estrogen decreases the activity of the osteoclast. That is the enzyme that tears down bone. And then progesterone and testosterone increase the activity of the osteoblast. That is the enzyme that builds new strong bones. So they work as a team. So sometimes we even test, there's a really cool blood test called the N-telopeptide. And we can do a baseline level and then six weeks after we've started someone on hormones, we can draw it again and prove that we have improved the bone density. So it's very effective. So what are the rules for women to get hormone replacement therapy? Again, we don't want to use synthetic. We, they need to be natural and they should include all of the hormones, not just one or two. I have so many women that, that come to me, they've had a hysterectomy, they're given estrogen and told to go have a nice life. So they've only been given one third of all the hormones they need. They need the progesterone and the testosterone to feel balanced. So this is an example of why we don't use synthetics. So all three of these are considered progestins. We have the natural progesterone on the one side, and then the two in red are two versions of synthetic progestins. And I just show the biochemistry so that you can see for yourselves, they are not equivalent. They are not identical and they have different effects in the body. Whereas progesterone has pretty much only good effects it helps protect against breast cancer, it builds strong bones, it opens up your blood vessels and helps with circulation, helps to prevent um, uh, strokes and heart attacks. Provera, by contrast, does the opposite. It diminishes your bone density, it promotes breast cancer, it promotes strokes and heart attacks and blood clots. So we don't wanna use the synthetics. And unfortunately, um, a lot of women are still being given synthetics. So we don't wanna give estrogen and testosterone orally, again, because of either liver damage or it can increase inflammation markers. It is perfectly okay for progesterone to be swallowed. In fact, that has the side effect of improving sleep. So we can do a troche. Troches are prescriptions that we send to a special pharmacy called a compounding pharmacy. Uh, they are custom made for that patient. And they're like a little, um, um, dissolvable uh, jelly, gelatinous uh, jelly, they call them a little candy that dissolves under the tongue. They have a pleasant flavor. They know how to flavor them. It takes about five to 10 minutes to dissolve and they soak right into the bloodstream directly from being under the tongue. However, absorption is still erratic. It's hard to get good blood levels with trochees. 
we can never guarantee uh, therapeutic levels with trochees. So what I'm fond of saying is that trochees are way better than nothing, but my preference is still the pellet because it's so much more reliable and consistent with the levels. So again, pellets, great for women, just like they are for men. And again, just showing you that we can get more steady levels with pellets than with any other method. So a lot of women are concerned. They're concerned about the safety of hormones, especially breast cancer. Um, this is one of my favorite books to recommend to women. Um, it was one that I read when I was making my decision and she pretty much covers every single concern. So here's the summary. When hormone replacement therapy is done correctly, meaning not synthetic and you're not swallowing estrogen or testosterone, um, so everything natural, when it's done correctly, there are no increased risks. Multiple studies have never shown an increase in breast cancer or any other kind of cancer when it's done correctly. Uh, and in fact, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy may lower risk of heart disease and it may improve your brain function. Uh, here's a great sentence I like to read from the European Journal of Anti-Aging Medicine. Women receiving hormone replacement immediately after menopause have reduced heart attacks, strokes, bone fractures, and Alzheimer's. They also have significant improvements in sexual function, mood, skin, energy, and sleep. There's a few other concerns that women have, one of which is urinary incontinence. And this can be from having been pregnant more than once. Um, weak bladder muscles, going through menopause, losing hormones. So we actually have um, a vaginal rejuvenation protocol. So when we're dealing with urinary incontinence in women, the first thing we are going to recommend is to get those hormones restored. And sometimes that will solve the problem. But if it doesn't, again, we have a vaginal rejuvenation protocol. And just like we use platelet-rich plasma, PRP, to use in men, we can use platelet-rich plasma in women. So this, um, what we do is we plump up the anterior vaginal wall, and we do use a numbing cream first, just like we do with men. Uh, it expands the tissue, and it actually tilts the angle of, that the urethra comes out of the bladder. So it actually helps to kind of hold the bladder up. We also put a little bit of the PRP into the clitoris, so we're actually putting it into the G-spot and the clitoris. So it accomplishes a dual purpose. It will overnight, in most cases, completely stop any kind of um, losing urine, that kind of problem. Plus, overnight, it can ex improve sexual pleasure. So it is a, a great procedure that we've had a lot of success with. We go just inside the vaginal opening and we're going to put it in that little bit of tissue between the vagina and the urethra. Uh, so we also have women that sometimes have low libido. Now again, our first way that we address this is by putting that woman on testosterone. However, we do have other options if that's not enough. And there's a whole category of new things that we're using here in the office called peptides. And there's actually some peptides that can help with low libido. And uh, so we have peptides, we have the 
uh, vaginal rejuvenation shot. So again, this is just to kind of highlight that we do have more that we can do uh, in addition to testosterone if women want an enhanced sexual uh, response. So it again, in increases desire and limits urinary stress incontinence. We're gonna shift gears now and talk about your thyroid because the thyroid has such an important um, uh, effect on your whole body. So the thyroid gland sits right here. Um, and from this position, it really impacts everything in your body. It's the thermostat that sets the rate at which your body functions. So again, it's gonna keep you going at the right level. If you don't have enough thyroid, there are so many symptoms you can have. Thinning hair, your eyebrows, you can start losing the lateral edges of your eyebrows, your thyroid might enlarge, your face might look puffy, your heartbeat can slow down, it can cause cramping and heavy periods if you're still having periods, um, carpal tunnel, constipation, depression, lots of symptoms from low thyroid. So uh, with the importance of that, um, it's extremely important that we test correctly and address it correctly. So to understand the thyroid tests, I thought this slide would be informative. Uh, the pituitary secretes a hormone called TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone. Now keep in mind, TSH is not a thyroid hormone. It's a thyroid gland stimulating hormone. We can draw some conclusions from the TSH, but it's not the end of the story. In order to correctly uh, diagnose thyroid disorders, you must also draw the T4 and the T3, and in many cases, we also draw the reverse T3. These are all blood tests. So the thyroid gland, 90 plus percent of what the thyroid gland makes is T4. Seven to 10% is T3. However, the T3 version of the thyroid hormone is what gets the job done. So the T4 is more like a reservoir that the body can draw from in order to convert it to T3 as it needs to, to keep the body well supplied with thyroid hormone. This conversion takes place mostly in the liver, but also somewhat in the gut and in peripheral tissues. Now, under certain circumstances, the body will divert that production and make reverse T3. It's okay to have a little bit of reverse T3, but if you get too much reverse T3, it can throw the body into a crazy imbalance, and it's actually a form of hypothyroidism, but you've got to measure the reverse T3 in order to make the diagnosis. So again, when I'm suspicious of something being not quite right, we'll measure the reverse T3 and get the full picture. Um, my next slide uh, I'm gonna show you is a picture of my husband. And the reason I bring this up, we were still sort of kind of newlyweds. We met, it's been five and a half years ago now. Uh, and when we first met, he told me that he had some thyroid issues, but no worries, he was under the care of an excellent endo neuro, the endocrinologist out of Duke University. Um, but I could tell after a few dates that he might be a little more tired than he should. Uh, so I finally said, hey, let me just run some tests on your thyroid at my office. So he did. And we found, uh, we actually ran some other tests. So we found that he had, although his T4 was good. So I'm going to go back. His T4 was perfect. 
And you know why? He was on Synthroid. Synthroid is 100% T4. That was perfect. Um, nobody had ever checked a T3 or a reverse T3 on him. When we checked those hormones, I literally almost fell over. They were the worst I had ever seen in my entire clinical career. He was, all of his T4 was turning into, um, I wouldn't say all, most of his T4 was turning into reverse T3. None of it was turning into actual T3. So he was actually very hypothyroid, but nobody knew it because his TSH was perfect and his T4 was perfect. So he was an example of someone who was inadequately tested. So basically, after I got to know him and I, I sort of became his doctor for his thyroid. And so we improved his thyroid with certain combination of medications. We also checked his testosterone and he was low on testosterone too. That's sort of an age related thing. So we replaced his testosterone. And we also, to be fair, we got some better dietary habits going, some, some better food. And the consequence of these hormonal improvements along with better food really turned him into a different person. <laughs> Uh, he lost weight. He got a lot happier. Um, he was able to build muscle. And um, his kids started wondering, you know, what, what's happening to you, Dad? You're looking so much better. So this is a, just a great example of what can happen with proper hormone management as well as proper diet. So I like to ask the real question, knowing what you know now, the benefits of hormone replacement therapy when the hormones are low, how safe is it to not do hormone replacement therapy? Um, we actually have a consent in our office where we ask people to sign off that they understand that if they don't do hormone replacement therapy, they actually could be harming their health. We do recommend if you're a member of a couple that you both get your hormones balanced and replaced. It is really the most cost-effective therapy to maintain a youthful outlook on life it will give you a better body composition and again, a more youthful passion for your romantic partner. Okay, so you've heard the good news about what hormones can do. And now we're gonna tell you, don't procrastinate. Because um, if, you, if you hear information but don't act on it, it won't do you any good. So I wanna thank you for listening. I'm going to turn control back over to Brittany. I just want to thank you first for sharing that great information. I feel like now I have the secrets to the fountain of youth, which I'm sure all of our audience appreciates. So Diane wants to know, is there an age at which we should maybe stop taking hormones or is it something we do for the rest of our lives? Uh, so I'm going to give a little bit of a detailed answer because this is a very important question. Um, <laughs> conventional medical wisdom tells women that they should be on hormones for three to five years and then get off. And this is, in my opinion, misinformation. It is incorrect, but it came from a clinical trial called the Women's Health Initiative, the WHI. This trial, unfortunately, was using only synthetic hormones. So those of us in functional and integrative medicine who understand the difference between bioidentical hormones and synthetic hormones, we understand that the study was flawed from the get-go. It was almost designed to fail. 
Um, and so when you're using bioidentical hormones, I'm not aware of any reason why a, a person would get off. The only reason I can think of is if they did develop some estrogen sensitive cancer. Um, and again, while we can never guarantee that a person won't get a cancer, we can say that statistically speaking, a someone who's doing bioidentical hormones is not at any higher risk than the average person. Uh, we do not, this does not increase the risk. However, statistically speaking, every now and then there may be a patient on bioidentical hormones that might develop a breast cancer, and that would be a reason to stop therapy. But otherwise, I personally agree with Suzanne Summers. I'm going to be on this forever, you know, till I die. I'm going to be on it forever because I feel so much better. So kind of going along with that, um, we do have a question that just came in. Um, Barb wants to know, how quickly will I see results if I do um, pellet therapy, for example? Will I see the results immediately? Does it take a while? Yeah, great question. Um, I like to under-promise and over-deliver. And so I tell women, you know, maybe seven to 10 days, but in reality, I've had women whose hot flashes stopped that very evening. Um, so we have our quick responders that might get results in within a couple of days. Uh, and then people, there are some people who might take a little bit longer. Everybody's very different. But I would say the average is five to seven days uh, after their pellets uh, are placed that they will start noticing a big difference. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that, that completely changes your life. It does. Aspect of your life. Um, yeah. Another, just, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just going to say, I have so many happy husbands who send their wives back and they go you are not stopping those pellets keep going <laughs> keep going well that kind of brings us to another question that just came in at what age should a man or a woman consider hormone therapy uh so i would say if if a if a person feels any of those symptoms um that we mentioned you know low libido fatigue for women, night sweats, hot flashes, vaginal dryness, um, poor sleep, why not get tested and at least find out? I actually have some men in their 30s, believe it or not, that are low testosterone. Um, and so, and I also have women in their late 30s, also mm -hmm. low testosterone, yeah. and just end up feeling better when we get that replaced. Absolutely. And some of those symptoms, maybe you can touch on some of those symptoms of, 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 of feeling, um, you know, a hormone imbalance. I know a lot of yeah. it is brain fog. And can you maybe elaborate on some of those again, just to reiterate? Yes. Yeah. So um, brain fog, I've actually had one patient tell me that I saved her. <clears throat> I saved her job because she was going to about to get fired because she just couldn't remember things. Um, <clears throat> so brain fog, uh, depression, anxiety. Um, low libido. I've had people tell me for sure that this saved their marriage. I've got to tell you something funny. I had a woman just last week tell me, she said, my husband doesn't understand. Without these pellets, I would rather mow the lawn than have sex. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> um, she said, but with the pellets, I'm all over it. I'm, you know, so I think we save relationships. So low libido, again, poor sleep, um, and I didn't even mention weight in women. 
when women go through menopause without changing a thing with their diet, they, by the law of average, they're going to put on 17 pounds and mostly around their middle. Estrogen is one of those hormones. And like all the hormones, you want it just right. You don't want too high, don't want too low. When, but when estrogen is just right, it actually helps a woman keep off that belly fat. Um, so we don't we don't have to get that menopausal look, you know, gain all that weight in our bellies. Um, not that we call this a weight loss uh, magic uh, solution, but it can aid if you follow a good diet and some exercise. It can certainly make it easier to maintain your normal weight. Absolutely. And I think we all want to hear that. We all want to look amazing as we age and to age gracefully. Um, speaking of pellets, Sandra just emailed us and wanted to know how long uh, pellets last. So in women, they are pretty much right at three months. So most of our women come in every three months. Uh, we are very scientific about it. We draw the blood first and then we typically a week later, we're going to put in a fresh batch, batch of pellets. So most of our women are on an every three month uh, protocol. There's a few men that can go four months, maybe four and a half months. Um, so it's, you know, again, we just go by the numbers and how well they're doing. And, but most of our women are on every three months. That makes sense. So kind of taking a different, uh, different turn, you mentioned the vaginal rejuvenation shot, which I know many women and men in our audience are interested in. Um, how long does that shot work? So good question. Um, I'm gonna say about 12 to 18 months. Um, it's not so much longer than 18 months. Uh, I wish it lasted longer, but that's about long it's gonna give those effects. There are some interesting, um, there are some women who never again have the um, lose, you, you know, urine, the incontinence. So for some reason, the incontinence effect can last longer, but kind of the sexual, you know, satisfaction effects, those are probably going to be closer to 12 to 18 months. Which is a pretty long time when you think about it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now with the penile rejuvenation shot, how long does that last? About the same. About the same. Okay, excellent. That's wonderful. You know, Dr. Casebold, I think you covered so many areas of, of how to age well and to live well and to be healthy and, and vital and enjoy um, enjoy your life. You know, you don't have to succumb to a lot of the symptoms that we uh, that we have as we age. Um, Dr. Casebold, thank you again just for your time and your expertise. This is an incredibly important topic. Um, in the meantime, please visit us at forumhealth.com and connect with us on Facebook. Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you so much and have a wonderful night. Take care. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Forum Health Podcast. Forum Health is the first nationwide network of integrative and functional medicine providers. To learn more about this topic and to find a Forum Health provider near you, visit forumhealth.com.